service. What is up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Full Service Podcast. I am Tank Smith, your host. Today is episode 60. Thanks for being here. As always, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, at Full Service Pod. You can find me at Tank Funkadelic. If you enjoy the podcast, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you hit that like button, that subscribe button, that follow button. You'll be alerted as soon as a new episode drops. Today, episode 60, so excited. My guest is Raleigh-based central massage therapist, companion, writer, life coach, Freya Volva. We sat down, I guess a few weeks ago now, when I was in Raleigh. It was actually my last day when I was in town. So, so much fun doing this interview. We talk about it. It's one of my favorite. We discuss her career as a writer, getting into sex work, doing massage in Atlanta, branching out on her own, studying the healing power of sex work in California, working as a dominatrix, moving to Raleigh, mental health, plans for the future, so much in this interview. So excited y'all get to hear this. You can find Freya on Twitter at Freya underscore Volva. You can find her at OnlyFans.com slash Freya Volva. Her website, CompanionMassage.com, as well as LovePowerCoach.com. I will have links to all of those in the Libsyn page from this week, so make sure you hit that Libsyn page. Show her some love. Give her a follow. I'm going to stop talking. So excited for you all to hear this interview with Freya Volva. I hope you enjoy. Thanks. Welcome back, listeners. It's Tank Smith. I am so excited for today's episode. My guest is a Raleigh-based central massage therapist, companion, life coach, writer, Freya Volva. Freya, thanks for being on the podcast. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Hell yeah. I'm glad we could do this. This is great. Great. Fuck yeah. Got me on the uh, last day in Raleigh. I'm leaving tomorrow. I know. We lucked out. (laughs) I should be better about email. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Listeners, we are, uh, I just said it, we're in Raleigh right now. Yes. (laughs) Freya, how long have you been in Raleigh? I've only been in Raleigh a couple years. I was in Atlanta before that. Oh, uh, shit. For a long time. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. What uh, what do you like better, Atlanta or Raleigh? Well, I grew up in Miami, Florida, and then I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and then I moved to Raleigh. So each city has gotten, like, smaller and smaller. Actually, Miami and Atlanta are kind of the same, okay. you know, level of population, but it's a little, it's cute. It's quaint. It's very family-friendly. There's a lot of green space. You know, it's, uh, I like Raleigh. It's a little more conservative, but that just means I have more clients. That is true. Yes. <laughs> Oh <laughs> yeah, I love I love I feel like there's such a good like I mean I I was in Raleigh for like ten years and then going to Atlanta I mean there's like so much more that Atlanta like has to offer like mm-hmm. things to do than Raleigh mm-hmm. does but I feel like I still like the small time feel like it still has a nice like downtown area yeah it's, yeah it's very I mean there's a lot of really good people a lot of educated people in Raleigh you know it's yeah. a, it's kind of a university atmosphere in a lot of ways. Fuck yeah. You said originally uh, from Miami? Mm-hmm. Miami, Florida. Hell yeah. Yeah. I lived in Miami Shores, which is North Miami High School, North Miami Senior High. We were the pioneers. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I feel like I always see like global warming videos like where you have like day floods in Miami. Will Miami be taken over by the water? Oh my God. Is Miami going to win or is the water going to win? Miami will always win. <laughs> Miami will win? Okay. That's... There's too much intensity in Miami. It could fight Mother Nature with all of its intensity. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. What, uh, what do you like to do for fun? What, uh, what's something you're passionate about? Let's see. Um, I'm passionate about a lot of things, but for fun, I went roller skating last Sunday at the North Carolina Museum of Art on their grounds. 
And that was awesome. Hell yeah. Until I sprained my ankle. But it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, I was I was roller skating like a badass. People were giving me like, you know, ghost high fives. And like, it was awesome because I was like outfitted like a toddler with like a helmet and like elbow pads and knee pads. And I was like 10 feet from the car. <laughs> 10 feet from the car. And I just like, whoop, fell over and like sprained my ankle. It was like, good, thing, good thing you had all, all that protection. Though. Right. But I had it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you go, do you go on the four-wheel skates? The four-wheel so. skates oh, or yeah. the roller blades? Oh, no. Four-wheel, old-fashioned, pink. Like, they're from, like, Denmark. It is so hard to find bicycles, uh, roller skates, because everybody's trying to work out in their own way during COVID. Yeah, yeah. So I had to order them, like, straight from Europe because there were, like, none left Damn. on Amazon. See, I still have never used the four-wheel skates. Like, when I was a kid, roller blades were, like, coming right. up. Mm-hmm. So, my, like, I always had roller blades. I never more, I never done the... Did the roller skate? Well, no. they should be easier because they're more balanced, but they're also heavier. Yeah. But I feel like there's nowhere to... I guess you could go on public and skate. Yeah. But... I know the rinks are all closed. I'm, like, watching the rink for, like, when it's going to, like, open for, you know... Do they still have skating rinks? There's one here. It's called United Skates. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. I got a guy. I had like so many birthday parties at skating rinks. I gotta go. Back. Really? Oh so my much god! Fun. It's like, the best. Disco, shiny pants. You know, glitter eyeshadow. Like, just give me anything where I can wear shiny pants and glitter eyeshadow, and I'll be happy. I never had the glitter eyeshadow when but I. But you went appreciate to the it. But I definitely. Oh, for sure, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll think about it. I mean, I'm, next time I go, I might have to shiny do it. shorts. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to let anybody take a picture of me while that's happening. <laughs> or actually, actually, I probably got to let the people see what's happening. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> You'd be awesome out there. Let's go skating next time you're in Raleigh. Hell yeah. We got a skating date. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Hopefully, hopefully no, no sprained ankles. I know. I'll be better by then. Yeah, for sure. It'll be a year <laughs> from now. <laughs> I'll practice. Fuck yeah. Well, Freya, mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm glad we could do this. I'm glad mm-hmm. you're. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Great, thank you. Heck yeah. Thanks for having me. Can you? Do you think you can remember like the first time you ever heard of sex work at all? I had no idea what sex work was. Um, I was raised in a fundamentalist, evangelical, charismatic church where you know a girl's virginity was her most important. I will, attribute. I will say this. Have you ever seen somebody catch the Holy Spirit? I have, darling. How scared were you the first time it happened? Oh, my God. My mother was speaking tongues. God. Like, at home. I remember seeing, like, an old, an old it's probably an old black lady, I'd say, like, 75. Slain in the spirit. And she got up, started, like, I was like, yo, something's up with that lady. And they're like, everyone's like, yeah, she just caught the Holy Ghost. It's okay. It's fine. It's called being slain in the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I think it's group hypnosis, but. Um, it's, yeah. It's like when you go to a concert, you know, and everyone's right. feeling the same thing. And we're like, Absolutely. we're all the same in this moment. And everyone's just like, feel that exactly. shit. Exactly. And then you start feeling it for yeah. real. Like, I, I did that. I thought I was had Holy Ghost stuff. I mean, but. You know, it only happened once, and then afterwards, I was like, <laughs> "I feel the why same. doesn't it happen all, all the time? Why so, just once, when this one Benny dude was at the church, did I feel it? Like those spiritual highs. Right. <laughs> I was like, mm, it's just not, it's it's too shallow. It just didn't strike me as true, you know? You know yeah. when a thing is true yeah. and when it's not true? Because a lot of times, it's like you're in front of other people, and that just influences how you behave. I don't know. Yeah, because he would, like, move the spirit, like, the first two rows and the third row fourth row by the time he got to your row like you were like 
I bet. Hell yeah, I feel it. I feel I, it. I of course feel you it. feel that shit. And you then got... you imagine it, you know, if you're susceptible. Yeah. And you're like, hell yeah, I feel it. Yeah. I'm a lot less susceptible now. Yeah. <laughs> it comes with age. <laughs> hell yeah. So you grew up uh, evangelical. Can you, uh... yeah, so can you remember, do you think the first time you heard of it? Oh, um, okay, let's see. I interrupted you. No, please. <laughs> Interrupt me all the time. That's how great conversations happen. I keep trying to tell my husband that. <laughs> Um, okay, so here's how it went. I was working, I got a degree at Florida State in creative writing, and I went and I wrote for the Tallahassee Democrat for a bit, like freelance, and I said, I want to get a job, and they said, you need to go work in a medium-sized um, city, uh, medium-sized market, and then you could, you know, come back here, but you need to go out, out and work. So they basically were not hiring, like, yeah. kids right out of uh, college. So then um, I moved up to Atlanta. I had... A two-year-old girl, a Yorkie, a husband of only like three years, and we put all of our stuff in a yellow moving van and moved up here with like $250. We skipped rent on our asshole landlord, although we had a great apartment. It was behind the governor's mansion. Anyway, we skipped up. He was a jerk. There were rats. Anyway, we were very (laughs) poor. So I, I, I need to go pay him back now. Um, uh, <laughs> he's still alive. <laughs> anyway, um, so we, we, we got in that yellow, you know, moving van, van. We, we drove it up ourselves and then we like tried to find a place to live. And we found this little apartment, um, on the corner of, it's called, it was called Lindbergh Apartments. It was like 700 bucks for like a two bedroom and it was really close to downtown. And so I did that and then I wrote for a couple of rag, I wrote for, basically one rag advertiser it was called neighbor newspapers it's the kind of thing that people like throw on your lawn and you oh, okay. use it to wrap fish and like yeah. bird dropping it's trash that your... you get delivered right, exactly <laughs> delivered <laughs> perfect so i was writing for them because i'm like i just need to build my you know repertoire and so i wrote for them and i remember my editor rob saying god damn it you just made a water and sewer meeting really interesting how do you do that and i was like i don't know i don't know writing's been my strength and then i said i want to work for the you know for the newspaper in atlanta i want to work for the main page the ajc and he's like never in my 20 years have i ever seen a writer move from this to that yeah i was like oh then i was like fuck you got in my car i'm like challenge fuck you watch me yeah not more than like three months later i met a girl at the water and sewer meeting and she was like you know we have a an opening at the ajc at the Southside extra you should come interview i went over there interviewed i was hired on the spot oh shit mm-hmm. i worked there for like two and a half years it was like my dream job turns out it only pays 250 dollars a week because you're only working part-time so they don't pay you insurance when you really work 40 hours a week and get paid for 20. Damn. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, the I didn't realize I'd gotten the, the diploma from the most difficult job, from the lowest average paying, you know. Starting salary? Starting salary. Exactly. Damn. The lowest. Journalism? English major. Yeah. Creative writing oh, majors. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, journalism, all that, the whole thing. I'm like, this is not a job. This is a ministry. The people that work here, they're like, when people complain about the media now, I get so pissed because I'm like, you don't realize these people are making no money. They're like social workers or like, you know, somebody who's like, you know, like teachers. Oh, yeah. They're so valuable to our society. But this, you know, capitalist society doesn't really uh, value them. So anyway, once I realized that, I was... um, 
You were no, at, I had to take a... You're like, we got to do something. I, I had to took a few deep breaths. And then I got pregnant for my second child. So, um, so I was pregnant with my second child and I had him and, uh, what it was, was I, the, the apartment that I lived in on Lindbergh was associated with an elementary school. I put my elementary, my, my daughter in that elementary school and I was like parent of the month every month. The teacher spelled Apple, A-P-L-E. My kid was like feeling really, he, she wasn't happy. And I went, I have to move her out of this district which means I have to move into a good school district. So yeah. I, I talked to my other writers at the paper, and they were like, you got to go to Decatur. Best move I ever made. So I'm like, okay, we're going to put a down payment on this $110,000 condo, and we're going to put this, these kids in a good school. I'm like, how am I going to do that? Yeah. My husband was an adjunct professor. He taught critical thinking and film. You know, we used to joke we're great at cocktail parties, <laughs> but we can't pay the bills. <laughs> Literally a writer to professor. Like, yeah, adjunct. You know, you get paid in peanuts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so two very <laughs> valuable. I mean, it would be great, but neither of us are working in that anymore because you can't support a family on that. Yeah. You know? I mean, anyway, don't get me started. So, so then I was like, all right. I had a therapist at the time. Her name was Betsy. And I said, Betsy, I really feel like I just want to stand on tables and just take my clothes off. Because my parents were so rigid yeah, and so evangelical and so like purity, purity, purity. So I was like, she's like, why don't you? I'm like. That was an option? She's Holy like, f- Really? You're the professional. Like, you shouldn't be saying this. And, uh, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, why the hell not? So I did. Um, I uh, went around uh, Atlanta looking for places to stand on tables and take my clothes off. I went interview. I went and talked to people at the Cheetah. I went and talked to people at these like cheesy lingerie studios. They used to have these lingerie, like you could see girls in lingerie. I don't know what it was, but when I went to interview for the lingerie guy, he told me to, like take off my clothes in his office, and I was like, "Uh, I've seen this in a porno." One you time. can <laughs> see what this fucking looks like from there. You know, and you owe me for looking at it. Besides, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you owe me for the last 20 minutes of looking at it. Um, and I was like, uh-uh. So I turned on my heel, walked out. And I'm like, I'm going to do this shit myself. So I went into the Yellow Pages. I started looking up different options. I found this place called Delightful Massages. And it was run by this woman named Morgan who also did horoscopes on the phone. And this was the dawn of the internet. This was 19... This was Ooh, before I remember, the... <laughs> I remember 19... <laughs> Those were the good old days. <laughs> Hell yeah. Very late, but very late. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah. So I went for making, okay, you heard what I made at the newspaper. <clears throat> so I started working for her, and she told me how to do it. She had two bedrooms, and she saw clients in one. And then she's like, all I had to do was massage people in lingerie. So I'm like, absolutely. My first week, my first day, I had like, 150 phone calls. Okay. Oh Are they giving you like... They just put my name up. Like they put me in lingerie up on the... On this... I had a mask. A big, big fancy like masquerade New Orleans mask. So cheesy. And um, and like a little teddy on. I was like... I was so innocent. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I started getting phone calls like crazy. My first week, I made $2,500. Compared were, were to two hundred and fifty dollars, like, were you like, "Well, I was a writer in a past life. 
that part of me is stuff. Exactly. I'm like, well, it looks like I know what the culture values. So I'm going to just do this. And I managed to put my son in Montessori school. I got a great school for my daughter. I bought us a car that didn't break down every three days. And it got us in a condo. It was amazing. Going into the massage, right? Did you have any like preconceived idea of what you thought that was going to be like going into it? No, I was terrified. So all I did was just like, I mean, I knew how to rub a little bit. So I would just put oil on and rub. I put a little peppermint and then I'd say that was that. There wasn't any like there's no happy ejaculation, ending. nothing, nothing like that. It was just me giving the massage. It was almost like the people were so thrilled that I was just there at them that they were like, Okay, I'll give you $50 because I was so innocent. Anyway, I don't know what was protecting me. Some angel somewhere, but but also she was good. She she knew what she was doing. So, so yeah. So then I uh, moved out from her and I started Goddess Massage. Okay. Goddessmassage.com. I wish I had that now. It's worth like six or seven grand now. I really wish I had it. Well, let's see if we can get that back. So. <laughs> right? How was, uh, how was it, like, goddess massage? Is that you kind of branching, like, doing that on your own solo? Yeah. yeah. So then um, my husband learned how to do Dreamweaver. We had Dreamweaver. I don't know what else we had. Uh, Adobe. I guess they still use Dreamweaver and Adobe. But this was, again, early on. And so he taught himself how to, how to use it in order for me to have a website. So we started working together. And um, I started having girls advertise on my site other girls and I actually had an apartment at one point where I would share space I usually shared space with another girl for a long time until I got really established and then I like now I have my own place but um yeah how long were you kind of like on your own in Atlanta doing goddess massage how long that Mm -hmm. um I did goddess massage until end of that marriage and marriage about 11 years so yeah. yeah Do you feel like there was like a, a like a like a waiver period or like a learning curve at the beginning when you like weren't good at massage? Mm, I'm kind of a natural. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I just loved it. I loved getting dressed up. Like for me, it's theater. Like I was a theater kid in high school. It's theater, and I get to dress up, put on makeup, put on lacy, shiny, pretty things. Like I said, with what we're skating, yeah. <laughs> exercise. I can wear glitter. Um, yeah. So I just, uh, I really was kind of a natural. I took to it, and I and I found out that I'm pretty good at it. So Fuck yeah. And then I went to school for it. Once I had money. Then I could pay for myself to go to massage school. Oh, shit. Because mm-hmm. you're certified as like massage therapist. Oh, yeah. 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 So like a few, I mean, I had been doing it for like, I don't know, 10 years. No, actually about six or seven years. And then I paid for myself to go to massage school. Do you feel like you had a head start on everybody else? Um, well, I, I I felt like I was different than other people because I would wear like, they, you can't wear any jewelry when you're doing massage. You have to look like totally like a septic you know, uh, a antiseptic. Yeah. Okay. And, um, but I would wear like armbands of jewelry. (laughs) I remember the one of the instructors, what is this? What is this? Why are you wearing this? I mean, come on. What is this? I'm like, oops. It expresses my personality. Okay. (laughs) You see who I really am. (laughs) I was very shy then, but part of me was rebellious. Like, I mean, I really did believe in the power of and the healing power of my work at that point. So, mm. I feel like a good massage will change your life. Yes. I feel like you're like, what the fuck just yes. happened? I feel so fucking mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think you came in for a massage. I got a massage. <laughs> listeners, I got a massage from this lady like a couple years ago. We just like just a regular this. massage. Uh-huh. Greatest fucking massage. Like, yo. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can say it. Greatest massage ever? Greatest massage ever. I will <laughs> say it again. This no, is great. Just it's, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> if you want to just like a great massage. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was my thing. I wanted to do great massage, and then I also wanted to connect with people emotionally, you know, and really get to know them. And that's, I mean, that's social work. You know, what I was doing was like I was meant to be a counselor or a writer, and I didn't know that I was a healer. Yeah, I just didn't know that until I went to to massage therapy, and then I took it on. I was like, really? I'm a healer. I can heal people. Because I'd been abused badly as a kid. I never thought I would turn it around to be a healer. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's never going to happen. But it was such a mind fuck to go, wow, I'm a healer now. It just like changed my whole perspective. And then I took that back to sex work and it enriched it. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And then I went to California. What 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 was what happened in California? Right. I feel like I feel like California. You're like I went to California. I'm like this sounds like a story. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So then, once I started realizing that I was a healer and that I could really be there for people and you know bring them the best massage, but also, I mean, listen to them and take care of them and be their, you know, their one place where they can be themselves, you know, it was, it was felt like an honor. So I started getting into, started reading a lot, of course. Um, I found a book called The Erotic Mind by Jack Morin. I don't know how actually how it's pronounced, M-O-R-I-N. And in it, he talks about your erotic blueprint, like how you are erotically based on all your experiences and how each emotion ties into your eroticism your orgasms like what makes you calm basically okay you know like we've each had certain experiences that are triggered like we have connections in the brain okay yeah certain things are going to turn certain people my first husband loved feet turns out he had a french teacher who used to sit on the edge of her desk while lecturing and she would let one shoe dangle off the end of her toe while she was teaching french to 15 year olds boys that'll do it that'll do it (laughs) for the rest of his life he had a foot fetish so it was awesome because my feet felt really sexy. Did he know what it was? Did he know that that's what it was? Mm-mm. Did it take a while for him to figure out he that just, it was the French teacher? I don't know. I just always get to it really quickly for yeah. people. I just want to know. Like, okay, <laughs> let's talk about feet. Yeah. When did you first know? And then it became like a, he's like, well, maybe it was my French teacher. I'm like, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of things you know what it is, but you just like, until someone like gets it out, you're like, oh, wow. It was like in the fucking, it was just in the subconscious the whole Let time. You get that shit out. Let me tease it like, out of you. I will tease it out of you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You knew the whole time. But you no, just it's, like, it's, that's my favorite part. The psychology of it, you know, learning about. Anyway, where was I? I was going to, okay, I started reading The Arctic Mind, and then I read a book called Women of the Light which was a book about massage therapists, nurses, yoga instructors who would also do sexual healing work. And it so validated me. I mean, I just could not believe it. I was like, wait a minute. This is spiritual work. I can actually reconcile my spirituality and my sexuality by studying this kind of thing. 
So it was revolutionary for me. Because I was, again, raised in a very, you know, Christian home. I liked the spirituality of it, but I didn't like the doctrine or the people. Okay. <laughs> or basically anything about it yeah. that I had experienced. <laughs> but I liked, you know, I liked the spirituality of it. So I went to California. I went to a place called the Body Electric School, which is a an amazing, it's basically, um, if you've heard of Esalen out there, or, you know, out in Big Sur, there's a really cool place where people do naked body work and dig deep into their psychology. You have to look up Esalen. Okay. Anyway, but then um, I did a, a workshop called Celebrating the Body Erotic with Women, and we did this beautiful, all these beautiful ceremonies over like three, a three day period. By like the third day, we were like, one woman would stand in the center and then each woman on either side would very slowly and very delicately take off your clothes because you've consented to this. Okay. Beautiful music is playing. You're in a totally safe environment. It's a clothing optional retreat in the middle of the mountains of Northern California. And at the end, you'd keep going until everybody was completely nude. Nice. And then you'd hold hands. And when I held hands with all those women, must have been 30 women, in a circle, you saw breast cancer scars. You saw cesarean scars. You saw hair on chests. Like, you learned about gender fluid right then. I just knew. I understood that gender was fluid. Right then, I learned it. That's amazing. Yeah. So I felt like I was holding these hands, and we're all looking at each other in the eyes. We're all comfortable in our bodies. We told our abuse stories or our happy stories. And I felt, oh, this is heaven. I'm in heaven right now. Like, it makes me want to cry just talking about it. It was so powerful for me to strip away all that doctrine, that I, all that programming. Damn. Yeah, so I studied with them for a few different things. They actually had a um, sacred intimacy workshop for like a week that I went and did. How to be a sacred intimate, which is another word for what I do. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like you were able to take like what you learned like in California studying and like put it into your work? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, really learned a lot from them and it just enriched my practice. I took a power exchange class in Seattle with one of the people that had taught my original class. And it was basically like BDSM, but conscious BDSM where you're just exchanging power. So like, I don't know how you are, but like sexually, sometimes for me, it's fun if one person has the power yeah, and, or, and then you switch and yeah. the other person has the power. There's something kind of like, yeah, Friction, you know? Oh, you know. I see the twinkle. It's fucking twinkling. The twinkle is here. <laughs> so I, I learned about that. And actually, I spent some time with a woman named Lady D in Atlanta. She's like a five-foot-tall black woman with a whip and a voice as loud as any voice you've ever heard. I would just listen. I, would, I shared space with her. I rented space from her. She would beat the shit out of her clients loudly next to my massage room so eventually i had to try to be a dominatrix like she was because it sounded so much fun <laughs> were you able to ever do like dom stuff yeah so then she's she laughed in my face again <laughs> somebody laughed you're so cute your curly hair you little white girl oh, go ahead show me your picture of you as a dominatrix she's like she couldn't stop laughing she laughed for like three minutes <laughs> so then i got in my car and i'm like 
fuck you. <laughs> and then I became a dominatrix. I was like, I had ads in the like full color page ads and dominatrix magazines, interviews. I once did an interview in Atlanta at this late night talk show. It was live. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I interviewed, I'll never forget, I can't remember his name, but he was the newscaster for some local, local, he was basically famous in Atlanta. And he, they were interviewing him. He did like the best daily deals or the best deals of the month or whatever. And he also like figured out scams and stuff. I I wish I remember his name. Anyway, we're standing in the back of the cart in the wings waiting to go on. And he had chatted with them. And they said, okay, it's time for our next guest. This is Freya. And so he he came out and was like welcoming. He stood up from his interview chair and came out to welcome me. And I just said, <laughs> what I tell him to do? I said, I'd like you to take this. I didn't say anything. I just handed him my beer and said, carry this for me. <laughs> and I walked. Powerful. Powerful. <laughs> and he was immediately like, yes, ma'am. You know, he was like, shocked and smiling at the same time <laughs> probably a little bit turned on so then he sat next to me and we had the best interview that's why i agreed to this because it was such a fun time i loved okay. it that anyway, anyway. <laughs> like i said i have stories for days hell yeah how long were you working like in atlanta i was there i worked for eight years okay in atlanta and then i came up here actually my hu- my marriage ended with my first husband amicably we were still making love after we were separated. <laughs> we I, guess that's, I guess that's ideal. I guess. And then and we didn't we didn't um, separate for four years, and we said it's on a leap day. We actually got divorced on on the 29th of February one year. We're like, we don't have to celebrate it, but every four years, <laughs> we raised the kids together, and we were like really close until he got remarried, and oh. that sucked. Oh, but yeah. they're divorced now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> anyway, so when that ended, then I uh, uh, actually I, I, very soon after, well, I dated a Marine. Oh, he was so cute. And then uh, I dated my current husband, who was who had been a client for a year or two, but I didn't get to know him until I threw a party one night. And then, anyway, long story short, I married him, and we've been together 17 years. Fuck yeah. Do you feel, do all people like in your life all know about your work? Yeah, my 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 mother knows about it. She's known about it since basically I started. My brother knows about it now. Um, uh, yeah, my all my family. My husband's super supportive. You know, I come to him every night crying about something. You know, not I don't cry every night, but like I come to him every night. I can process with him, and then I have a great therapist here in town. Fuck yeah! I will not tell you her name because she's overbooked, and she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Fuck yeah! But. It's like having to somebody to talk to about work. Like, is that beneficial? It is crucial. You, if you don't have that support, you will become addicted to something. You, you will so? become addicted to food. You'll become addicted to television. You'll become addicted to work. You'll become addicted to alcohol, cocaine. Because I've done it. I mean, I never was cocaine. Mine was like drinking <laughs> Chardonnay and Netflix were my two best friends. Chardonnay and Netflix are a lot of people's best friends. You're, you're not. You're not alone. <laughs> not alone? In the, you're not alone in this. But I. But we're all alone, right? 
<laughs> so, like, I... You're bored alone and you die alone in between Sunday and Netflix. No, I'm saying when you're watching Netflix <laughs> yeah. at home alone, drinking your ass to, you know, till one in the morning because you can't shut the shit off. That's, you know, like, I think a lot of us are suffering in this culture, especially sex workers, because it's such a... Because our society is so fucked up. And we think... I mean, society once thought slavery was awesome. Yeah. Right? So society is fucked up sometimes. And they don't realize how good what we're doing is. First, like, for sure. Right? It's You've cha- interviewed us, right? We're changing the world. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So they're fucking wrong. We're not. Yeah. And as soon as you realize that, the shame drops. Yeah. And you don't have to be ashamed of what you do. You can start sharing with people. For sure. And too, like, it's like you're, it's like if if there was no, I guess I would say like, if there were no, like there's clients, you know, like there's mm-hmm. fucking people coming to you that need you, like need you to help, like for help and mm-hmm. shit. Oh, I have lots of, I had a client last week, 80 years old, sat down and started talking to him. His wife just had, he, had, he hasn't had sex in 20 years. They've been married 50 she, he was a virgin. She was a virgin when they got married. And I don't know how he found me. He just, I guess, got an itch somehow. Anyway, he came over, and we just started talking. I started listening to his history. And, and he started telling me about his Vietnam service. And he started talking about how he started a, a business here in Raleigh when he got back from the war to uh, counsel alcoholics and addicts. And he still does one every Thursday night. He's done it his whole life. Oh, shit. And he's talked to me about, like, anyway. When he told me a story about how he still does it on Thursday nights with people, I just leaned over and just kissed him. (laughs) Sitting on the couch here. And then I really kissed him. And then about, and then later, like, at the end of the session, he said, I've never, ever been kissed like that with a tongue. Like, You're changing this old dude's life. I'm saying I'm He didn't even I'm get kissed honored. like the tongue like that in Vietnam. I'm honored. I'm just like, are you serious? I mean, literally, the guy was... I don't have any reason to doubt him because he's lived his life with such integrity. He's not going to sit there and lie to me. So sometimes you have to take it really slow with people because you don't know how inexperienced they are. Yeah. You know? So who knows? You can have a client... Maybe you have a client that has never kissed. Yeah. You know? I felt, and, and we had a beautiful session, you know, and, you know, basically a lot of cuddling and hugging and. Intimacy. Yeah. Fucking people need that shit. You know, he was like, uh, he like almost came five times, but then. It almost 80 year old. You're telling me this 80 year old has an amazing refractory Honey, period? I'm telling. What? No, he almost came five times and then he got too nervous. And, oh, that happens every Shout time. Shout out to that No, guy. that happens every time you're on my table. Wow. I bring people up. It's, that's the tantra. That's the that's the, my tantra background. Okay. I so I've never interviewed anybody that does like tantra, right? Ooh. So I did tantra one time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm like maybe maybe not like cynical or sarcastic, you know? I feel like you got to be really present and like mm-hmm. really like What were your cynical thoughts? Well, I just felt like it was a lot of breathing. Like, it was a lot of... You're like, this is fucking <sighs> bullshit. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how I felt. Or, like, not like... I was just like... I Maybe it's hard for me to pick up on energies. Like, you know, there's people that, like, study energy and they're like, you know, I feel like energy... They can move energy around. And I was just like... It depends on who you're working with. 
Yeah. You know, if you're working with somebody, it can be as simple as eye gazing. Yeah. There was a lot of eye contact happening. Okay, that's good. We sat across from each other for a while, did like breathing, and then just like looked at each other. But that can shut you down if you're not ready for it. Yeah. Did you feel shut down? Like I don't you, know. At what, point like, she, at what point she tapped on my forehead and said, you're not present? Oh, fuck no. But I think it was because I started going soft and she was giving me a hand job. Oh, that is the most judgmental. I was so relaxed. I was so relaxed. And, and you can leave like that. I know, right? Okay, what did, okay, she made you wrong, okay? If she made you not okay. Whenever you make a client not okay, you're no longer being therapeutic. I mean, I still had a good, I mean, it's still like, I was just like, I was just like, I don't know what this whole touch, I feel like I need Uh, to do it again. You you do. I need to do it again. Definitely you do. You can't be, I mean, if somebody makes you wrong during a very vulnerable sexual encounter, that's wounding actually. But also, also at the same time, as soon as she said like, you're not present, I mean, she's like, you're not present. I'm like, that's correct. You know, like you're, (laughs) you're picking up, you're like, you know. She challenged you a little bit. She confronted you, but. Really, it's all about drawing somebody like you out. You are the person that needs to be slowly drawn out. Yeah. Not the person that's just going to be like instant tantrum master. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. For sure. So, well, yeah, you should try it again. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Who do you feel like your like average clientele is? Like an average? My average clientele are people about, I thought about this. Um, they're educated businessmen. From 30 to 40, mostly. Okay. They're dads that have not slept with their wives because the wives have said, fuck you. Yeah. Not in so many words, but they have basically just... And so I often ask men to ask their wives for more of this, like to openly... Because some of them are avoiding it with their wives. Okay. They're not actually pursuing it anymore they've decided they can't get their needs and wants met at home and so they're just going to come to me and i mean that's good for one session but if you're going to come to me over and over again and i and i know you're married i'm actually going to talk to you about your wife okay because i know you like do life coaching right like, yeah does that like help like do you like go home with homework you're like hey i do it on this uh, on the subterranean level or the subterfuge <laughs> yeah. i'm life coaching you but shh, you yeah. don't know that yeah i'm just asking you questions it's called homework <laughs> No, we just ask you questions. Yeah. Have you asked your wife to give you a back rub? I feel like sometimes, like, because I was in a relationship for a long time, and at the end, like, we stopped fucking, right? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to go from not fucking for a long time mm-hmm. to even, like, get into that fucking, oh, like, yeah. make that happen, like, at all, Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And there's so many emotional things behind the not having sex. Yeah. I mean, there's so much resentment, usually, in fam- in marriages. That's usually what kills marriage marital sex is resentment yeah and also too i feel like a lot of people stop communicating and it's hard to start up like communicating Mm -hmm. about sex or intimacy after you haven't done that in Mm -hmm. a long time and then it's almost like well where is this coming from kind of thing it's just like so it's fucking fear no fucking fear hey listen if you have had a wife who you try you know who you're no longer having sex with First, there was the resentment, and then it was getting comfortable for the next five years, living parallel lives on that point. So you're basically trying to have sex with a stranger yeah. who, who you feel like hates you. <laughs> and you're like, what, are they, what is this person even like? Right. I don't even know what this person likes anymore because right. we don't fucking talk about this exactly. shit. Exactly. You, you know? feel like not okay. And who wants to have sex when you feel not okay? Yeah. It's very simple. You have to feel okay in your marriage. You have to feel like your spouse thinks you're okay, and you're you have to 
think your spouse is okay. And as soon as you get out of that, then you start having resentments. Trust me. I got fucking. Chris Rock said you got to fuck. Hmm. True. In order for it to work. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, but the the emotional stuff is what is so sticky. And people who are raised by parents that either fought all the time or didn't talk to each other or never kissed or never touched, they're going to be following those models. I mean, my husband wouldn't mind me saying it, but he hadn't had a conversation about sex until he met me. And he was like 35 or 6 and had already been married for seven years. Yeah. Never. Until he met me. I feel like there's so much of... I feel like, well, society is changing now in terms of, like, openness towards sex. But I feel like there's so like so many people that just, like, this makes me uncomfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about it. But you think with your spouse, you'd be able to, like... She thought he was gay. She thought he was gay, literally. Especially, like, if it's He's a... He's not it's fucking a, gay. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> it was I you. I maybe look curious occasionally, but only if I draw it out, because that's, like, my hot... Sometimes he my likes hot. a finger in the butt, but hey... <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That I, was my I, idea. I, brought I will up, draw. Know? I will draw that. I'll find it. Yeah. So he met me, like the sex worker from hell. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, I think he like." Yeah. Anyway, long story short, it was very quick. <laughs> yeah. When he realized that what we had, it was very quick. That's great. Yeah. I mean, there's lots. Of, there's a great story there, but it involves a divorce and kind of messy but nobody likes divorce stories no exactly yeah. all right next <laughs> <laughs> let's see what's going <laughs> do you feel like people know how to contact you correctly when they're reaching out to you oh i have to teach them so um if i don't teach them they don't know how to do it so i try to make my ad very clear and people still don't understand it so then they'll email me and I'm bad with email. So I've said text only, but they'll email me. And so every once a week, I I'll should have texted you. I'm you shut up. I, I know. What? Send you an email. You're so wrong. <laughs> kidding. So I should check my email more. But um, the fastest way to get to me is a text message. And uh, I think that people need to be taught, like clients need to be taught. So if you, it's about asking for what you want in relationships or in business. You have to ask, please send me your name, your, oops, your name, your age, and what time and day, and they still don't do it. But that's okay. You can ask for it, and a lot of the time you get it. But if you don't, you you know, you're a service person, so you're in a helping profession. So, you, you know, I try to make it easy on clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you... Do you feel like do you feel like attraction plays a role for you at all when seeing a client? What? Kidding. <laughs> no, no, it's for seeing them? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You come to my door, I don't care what you look like, what you smell like, I'll put you in the shower. You just come on. Hey, shower people. Hey. <laughs> hey it's nice. It's nice when somebody comes with a fresh haircut, you know, crisp white shirt, you know, they're all showered and smelling delicious, not too much. But really, you can come in however you are. Like, people come off the job site. You know, they're sweaty. They're dusty. I'm like, mmm, that's delicious. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you also have to kind of be somebody that that just loves people. Yeah. You know? So that you're pretty – I'm like, I'm open arms. Come, you know, 
bring me your poor and huddled masses. Yeah. I will nurse you. I will nurse the whole world. <laughs> you are the statue of Lady, the Lady Liberty. People call me the, the mother goddess. Everywhere I go, as soon as I meet a group of people, eventually they, somebody calls me the mother goddess. So I'm very welcoming. And Fuck that's, yeah. I think, important for this work. People, men are too shamed as it is. Like the, like you being so welcoming, I feel like that. Just like allowing people to be vulnerable and like to you is it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's great. Vulnerability is the only way to get close to other people. Yeah, I mean, there's power in vulnerability, as Brene Brown always says. There's that's the power. It feels opposite for men. It feels like if I'm weak, if I talk about how my parents didn't love me or how I had a hard time making friends as a kid, then you're gonna see me as weak. Yeah. Actually, if you cry and tell me how hard it was and how your parents weren't there for you, all I'm going to do is cry with you and want to be close to you and empathize and feel compassion and then really respect you because I know how difficult it is to be vulnerable. This shit's hard. It is the hardest. But I feel like the more you do it, the the more you get used to Like anything, like the, you get mm-hmm. used to it and you're like... Once you find somebody you trust, it's easier. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to. It has to be a trust thing. Yeah, once you find somebody you trust, like a therapist. But there's a good. I mean, I threw my thirty thousand dollar Tiffany diamond at my husband like six times before I married him. Damn. Because I was like, I mean, literally across the room, yeah. like just chuck it. Because I was like, I can't do this. I can't be intimate. I can't trust you. You're gonna leave me. Whatever. Yeah. People like us have. I mean, oftentimes sex workers have um boundaries that as often as children get violated and so we don't realize that um that's a blessing and a curse it's a blessing in this work because you're very accepting but in relationships it is it's challenging because it's hard to let people truly in yeah so when commitment happens like you go batshit anytime you get commitment Oh, that's fucking scary. It's that fear. That's oh, like, yeah. That's <laughs> fucking scary. Ooh, I don't know you. <laughs> Even though you've been together for five years. Like having, I guess, having like this responsibility that you're taking kind of somebody like into your home and you're like almost like molding them or whatever. Mm. Do you feel like pressure in a session to live up to a client's expectations mm. at all? I don't mold people. I ask questions. Yeah. People mold themselves. I just know how to my life coaching. I was I was trained by uh, Oprah Winfrey's life coach, and I did that for about a year of that training. And I learned that you're not healing people; <laughs> people are healing themselves. It's your role to ask questions. They heal themselves. Damn. They help themselves. You act. You might activate, but then my current therapist is like you're not activating people. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> You've activated me, activated me. I know what it feels like to be act- anyway. You really have to get that through your mind. And okay. that's how you survive the emotional toll of this work is to realize you're not actually in charge of it. It's not your responsibility if they get better. It's not your responsibility if they jump off a building. You are there to just ask the questions that you know, you think might lead them deeper into their own story and what comes out of that it's not your not your baby it's their baby yeah 
It always was there, baby. Yeah. You're just asking questions. Yeah, I can't do anything. I can't cure you. I can just ask you questions. Does, like, burnout ever happen for you at all? Mm. Well, I've gotten really good at setting boundaries. Actually, that's a good point. One, I was molested from 9 to 13 by a stepfather pretty much every night. My mother never did anything about it. My father married another woman. I was on my own. And that created a lot of wounding. And I've been in therapy pretty much every week since (laughs) I was 16. Paid a lot of money for therapy. So um, it's time I give it back. But what I was saying is that in this job, I get to take power back in the places where it was taken from me. So I didn't have any choice then, right? Yeah. I didn't have any choice. You know, so it touches me, touches you. Like you don't have a choice. You're a kid, right? But then once you're a grown up and you realize that you have, um, what's the word? I can't think of the word sovereignty, um, your own power. You realize that this job can actually be super healing. A, because you become economically independent and don't have to marry assholes, right? For sure. You can be free. And then also, I can say, you can touch me at my knee, but you can't touch anything else. Yeah. You can touch my elbow. You can't touch anything else. You can, you know, there's certain things they want. But you could basically say, no, whenever. But it's a conversation where I didn't have that as a kid. You know, I didn't have that, that ability to have that conversation. So, yeah, it changed my mind. It changed my blueprint to, um, you know, be molested and all that. But that just means I'm a virtuoso sexually. Yeah. I was trained early like a violinist. <laughs> virtuoso. <laughs> Do you feel like your job is more like emotionally, physically, like taxing on you? What do you think? Um. Probably more emotionally. Uh, But I have also learned how to get rid of that kind of energy, like, and really take care of myself. So if I'm drained, it's because I'm taking on somebody else's problems and I'm not setting up good enough boundaries for myself. If I'm physically drained, it means I'm not setting up good enough boundaries. I'm taking too many appointments. I'm trying to meet some goal. I'm also kind of a work hard driver like i have a work hard driver inside of me like work hard <laughs> so i have to in, in any career in anything i've done um so i real if i have burnout feelings it means that i haven't been caring for myself or setting up good boundaries and then i'll but i realize it pretty soon now that if i'm tired like i just took four days off oh fuck yeah because i did like mega appointments last week and i enjoyed it then but then i realized i was really tired so i just Took four days off. Stayed home with my family. Hell yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's all in your control. And it's nice. Like, that's where a job where you can, like, you control mm-hmm. everything to where you're able to do that. Hell yeah. I feel so good to be in control of everything. My safety. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Have your views on sex or sexuality changed since you got in? Well, when I got in, I was terrified. Um, of anything sexual and my own sexuality. Actually, oh, in the past two or three years, actually in the past year, I've really begun to feel my pussy. Like, I've really let myself feel it. And um, it's a lot. Uh, my husband has really done that for me. Been so patient and so kind that he's allowed me to kind of like 
figure myself out and I've become more in my body. So I don't know. My sexuality has changed, but, but for the good, I'm way more educated now. Fuck yeah. I know lots of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Ask me anything. BDSM, Tantra, right? Massage as a healing modality, essential massage, body to body. Like I can. We got a pro. I got a lecture. I'm a freaking professional. Hell yeah. I don't have the degree. But I got the I got the study hours. Do you feel like your views on credit men, hours? Go ahead. Do you feel like your views on men have changed at all since starting? Oh, yeah, I'm not scared of them. I know they're little boys. They just need acceptance, understanding. I know a little bit of um, admiration. And I got a lot of that to give. It feels good. Right. <laughs> it feels so good. Right. It's like so little about sex. Has how you view yourself changed at all since getting into sex mm-hmm. work? Mm-hmm. Like I said, I realized I'm a healer. Then I realized I'm a sexual healer and that I've turned my past, you know, it's basically like I turned lead into gold, you know, lemons into lemonade or whatever. It's like I took a bad thing and turned it into something good for the world and that's what I wish everybody would understand is that people like me have often had abuse in their background but now they're turning it around and they're making decisions economically for themselves once you have economic freedom you can really grow and change for sure and you don't have to be stuck to your I mean I don't talk to my mother right now I don't have to talk to any like it's all a choice now I'm not stuck or in a corner or you know dependent on anybody i'm an independent person i mean women in economy and uh, economics if you go back when women can have their own jobs and their own that's when real freedom for women comes is when you can call the shots because you're economically free so yeah it's changed me a whole lot in that respect fuck yeah mm-hmm what do you what do you know about yourself now that you didn't know before you got into sex work? Let's see. God, I know that I have a lot more knowledge and talent than I thought I did. Yeah, I used to think I was uh, a broken bird. Turns out I'm I'm a boss bitch. Bird. <laughs> boss bitch bird. <laughs> I'm, I'm no longer a broken wing. I got those wings are like guns. The wings are guns. <laughs> yeah, I you know dominatrixing really helped with that because when you can realize uh, very powerful men just want to come and be little boys, it changes things for you. You just realize that it it's it's all a power exchange, and you can choose to give somebody your power. Or you can choose to not give somebody your power. You can choose to give an abusive husband your power, or you can choose not. You can choose not to give an abusive husband your power. Like you have power. Yeah. Yeah. That's Every, what everybody has. Everybody has power. Right. But I didn't. You know, when you're abused, you have no idea how much power you have. You know, my dominatrixing taught me that men sit. You, know, you can't see this on a podcast, but men sit with their legs open. Watch them when they're on a chair. They sit with their legs open, their elbows on their knees. They're like, you know, balls are hanging out of their shorts. They're taking up a lot of space on the chair, on the bench. Like, men are comfortable being powerful. You look at a woman, she's got her legs crossed. She's got her, like, 
you know, hands in her lap. She's crunching like her shoulders so that she feels small. Like you just watch body language and you realize that women often feel like they don't have power. Being a dominatrix, I learned that you got to take up space. You got to physically take up the space, take up the space in the chair on the couch, in the room, the whole fucking apartment. You're, it's your space and you're big. What advice would you give somebody kind of wanting to get into massage, companionship? What, would you, what good advice would you give that person? I'd say find a good therapist who can help you through it. You pay them, you know, once a week, once every two weeks. You find a, you know, a sex positive therapist who will help you. Because and then you can then you can share it with your fam with your your person whoever your person is you know yeah. your best friend your husband you can share it with them and and then you'll have support. I mean, for a long time, all I needed was a therapist and my husband. And then now I'm I'm a bit bigger. Um, I have a small group that I share with. I have my family knows like it, the circle is way bigger, but I'm very careful about who I tell. Yeah. It's like casting pearls before swine. I don't need to tell the whole fucking neighborhood what I do. Sexuality does deserve privacy, you know? So it doesn't mean I'm ashamed of it. It just means not everybody gets to know this. Yeah, for sure. Not everybody gets to know how awesome my life is. <laughs> <laughs> what would you, what, what advice would you give like a client wanting to see the companion for the first time? Yeah. Well, first piece of advice is you don't have to be so nervous. We are very welcoming people. We are, you know, warm. We're warm. Yeah. So we love being warm with others. So, you know, you're going to be nervous, but we are good at handling nervous clients. Yeah. We'll probably start with a hug. You know, a hug and a nice little conversation. And, and I'll start with massage. And, you know, we'll ease you into it because we we're pretty good at reading you know, someone's comfort level. Yeah. So don't be nervous. Fuck yeah. Throw yourself in it. Be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. Right? Be vulnerable. That's the key. Goddamn right. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in like five years? Oh. Well, I almost applied to uh, Widener University for a dual master's in human sexuality and social work. I'm like on the fence because it's going to take three years of my time. And I have a wonderful husband, a nine-year-old at home, and I love my life. It's just so yummy right now that I'm like, do I really want to take something on? So I'm going to give it a couple more years and maybe not a couple. Maybe I'll do it next year. I'm not sure when, but I really would like to get that dual master's because there's very few places that, that offer a human sexuality master's degree and a human sexuality degree and they do it dual both at the same time in like three years oh shit it's ninety thousand dollars right hey <laughs> it's how a can, private school how can you put mm. tuition on an amazon wish list <laughs> i should totally do we that we need to figure that out you get what you asked for <laughs> i should totally do that we need to figure that maybe yeah. some person for whom ninety thousand dollars is nothing will pay for it or just like lots of people chipping in. Yeah. You don't gotta have one dude, right? Can, yeah, exactly. I've got. I think one time I counted like I had. I'd seen like three thousand clients, but that was back in Atlanta. I've learned a lot. I love men now. I love men. 
this whole thing that I've been through, the whole sex work thing has given me compassion for men. And I can even understand people who have troublesome turn-ons. Some people have troublesome, again, The Erotic Mind, that book, troublesome turn-ons. Some people like to expose themselves. Great if the society (laughs) says great, but they don't. So you get arrested. You know, I've learned great compassion for men and their sexuality, mostly from having compassion for myself. I feel like it flows every, once you have it for you. It's like if you love yourself, then you can love other people. Once you, they say that, and I don't. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? All, what I understood is be tender with yourself. Be tender. Yeah. Like tender with your little heart. Like I try to judge myself so bad. Oh, you you fucked up. You know, you're such a piece of shit. You didn't fucking lose ten pounds. What the fuck's wrong with you? And I'm like, oh yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> so like so, I feel like so many of people are their like worst critic. I mean, I mean, I definitely am. You're like, mm. oh my god, you're fucking terrible. You piece of shit. What the fuck are you doing? How does that you're work so for much you? Better. How does that work for you? It really doesn't help at all. What did it do? Make worse? Yep. Yeah. Like I feel like if you think about it, just like having low self-esteem or just like having like bad negative feelings for yourself literally helps not at all. It actually that reverses shit the does course. Does not fucking help. Oh, it doesn't. Judging yourself, you just have an internal critical parent basically made up of whoever raised you and you just you know, like ima- okay, what what I learned is that if you have a nurturing parent, say, I completely understand yeah. where you are with your exercise program or your you know, relationship. And it makes total sense to me. Yeah. And I've been there before and I can really feel your heart. And it sounds like you're just really sad about this or, you know, X, Y, Z. You'll go home and they'll say, you know, what do you want to do about it? What, what, what do you like to do about it? And you make those little tiny, like tender with yourself agreements. It's like, you feel light as air. Yeah. You and, feel so good. Oh, that's a difference. Okay. One more thing. The difference, there were these Buddhist monks um, down by the shore, and this one uh, devotee came and asked them, how do you know the truth? How do you know when something is true? How do I know when I'm like seeking the truth, when I'm on the right path? And the Buddhist monk said, well, you know the ocean because it tastes of salt. You know truth because it tastes of freedom. Damn. So, judging yourself, criticizing yourself, all that shit, does it make you feel heavier or lighter? Definitely fucking heavier. <laughs> right. Right. And if you have somebody say, you're beautiful just the way you are, your heart is in the right place, I'd love to help you, to support you in anything you choose to do to help yourself. Shit feels amazing. You feel like bird bones. Like, yeah. Like a fly, right? I, my therapist has taught me this so many times. I'm like, fuck, I'm such a piece of shit. She's like, is that working? I'm like, mm, mm, it's gonna work. It's gonna fucking work. I'm like, beat myself. You know, like, no. And then she'll say a few tender things with me. And I'm like, oh. And then the next day I'm like, working out, you know, kicking ass, making dinner, loving my kid, loving my husband. You know, it's very toxic to judge herself. Yeah. But you just have to, you know, have a few people be tender with you. And then you learn how to be tender with yourself. God damn. This, this has been so good. This, this, <laughs> Cheers. This has been amazing. God damn. <laughs> I'm old and wise. Do I look old? No. <laughs> you, hear how, you hear how quickly I answer that? that was, 
I was proud of myself. That was like, like maybe half a fishing. second. I was fishing. <laughs> are, uh, are you a fan of stand-up comedy at all? Oh, my God. I love stand-up comedy. Do you have a favorite comedian? Mm, uh, well, Lenny Bruce. Yeah. Uh, but currently, Eliza Schlesinger, um, Louis C.K., I forgive him, um, and uh, Amy Schumer. Okay. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Louis. Mm-hmm. He's so good. I mean, freaking watch fucking Woody Allen movies when he married his freaking stepdaughter. I can watch a fucking Louis C.K. show. Yeah. I love him. I hope he comes back soon. Oh, he's back. Is he back? Yeah, yeah. He's touring. <sighs> or he was touring like before uh, COVID and stuff happened. Oh, was he? Yeah. Even th- so he's, the he's, Me Too movement? He's doing well. He's fine. Because hmm. people will still come out to see him. God. You won't like, it might be like on the low where like people are like, man, fuck Louis, but we got tickets. Mm. <laughs> you know? So because think- a person's art, you should really separate. I mean, I don't know. I believe sometimes you can separate the artist from the personal behavior. Yeah. Anyway, he just needs love. <laughs> Louis, hey, Louis, Louis, if you're listening, get, yo, darling. Louis, get, get that self-esteem up, bro. <laughs> darling, I will help you. <laughs> and if you want to jerk off in front of somebody, just get him to sign a piece of paper Ooh, saying it's okay. Oh, no. Just come jerk off in front of me. I love it. <laughs> hey, we got an open invitation for the jerk. <laughs> just do it with the appropriate person. <laughs> How can we get this to Louis ASAP? Seriously, tell him. Tell him. I live in Raleigh. Just look me up. <laughs> Rub ratings. Look me up. Freya. God, I would love to spend a few hours with him. Yeah. He's a genius. He's a fucking genius. The stuff he does about his little... I mean, so many things he's done have been so just... Um, he talks about shit nobody else talks about. And I love that. He crosses that line. Yeah. I mean, he's fucking, I mean, obvi- I mean, dude, I mean, dude's vulnerable. A lot of, I mean, a he lot is. of, a lot of shit. The best thing I like about comedy is that you can be vulnerable and it can, people Make have people no laugh. fucking idea mm-hmm. whether or not you're telling the truth or not. Mm-hmm. But it's only so, funny if you're telling the truth. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> people, I don't know. People feel that shit when you're telling the truth, but you can definitely tell a lie. And it's it's mm-hmm. funny. You know? Okay, that's true. Now that's true, but it's, that's tongue in cheek though. That's like, uh huh. I fucked the queen last week. Uh huh. Like that's different than you know. Little lies, little lies in comedy are the best. <laughs> yeah. You can't lie too big, right? Right. Because people are like, obviously that didn't happen. But if you lie little, <sighs> it's then- a divul- It's divulging who you are. And and in a vulner again, it's vulnerability, divulging about you know divulging who you are to an audience makes them feel immediately close to you. Yeah, because it's, it's like, oh hey, I'm going through this thing. Everybody in the audience is like, oh so am I. And then right. we talk about it, and they're like, oh we laughed about our problems. It's if, fucking yeah. Great. If I have any advi- if I had advice for for comedians, I would say, you know, be as vulnerable as you can stand because that's the secret to success. Well, thank you. I will take that. There you go. <laughs> as vulnerable I'm, as you I'm can handle. To, I'm about to go to open mic in Chapel Hill right now. Are I'm you? Gonna, I'm going to tell them all. I'm going to oh, be like, hey, guys. I be, met this slut. Be, be vulnerable. <laughs> I met this slut. You told me to be vulnerable. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Freya, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's oh, been good. This has been great. I really uh, enjoyed having a chance to talk about myself. 
Fuck yeah. Do you want to plug any social media or anything Mm. for the people that can find you online? Just remember my name is spelled with a J. F-R-E-Y-J-A. And then Volva, uh, V-O-L-V-A. And a Volva isn't a wandering wise woman from the... Norse from the Viking culture. Oh, I was I thought it was a vagina thing. Right? I picked it. The U. Because the U is the vagina. Mm-hmm. Okay. It the sounds o. like vulva. Okay. But it's vulva. I'm a wise woman. Oh shit. Wandering wise woman. That's better. Also a vulva. <laughs> but you'll you have to listen to my words first. No, no, you can just totally touch my vulva. No I'll, if I give you permission. Permission is key. <laughs> and you gotta earn it. Hell yeah. Well, I'll plug your Twitter and OnlyFans and stuff in the intro and outro, yeah. so we can do that. Yeah. But. I don't know. Wait, I guess my Twitter handle is Freya Volva. Yeah. Freya underscore Volva. I oh, good. You gotta have the Thank underscore. Thank you. Um, and my websites are companionmassage.com, lovepowercoach.com. I'm building goddessfreyavolva.com and also sacredbodyworker.com. So I'm, I'm in flux with my web. I always have like five websites working. I'm going to eventually get them down to like one or two. Hell yeah. Freya, I appreciate you coming on. This has been Thank dope. you. Thank you. Listeners, we will be back later. <laughs> that was my interview with Freya Volva. Yo, shout out Freya. That was such a good time. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Listeners, she just plugged it. I will plug it again. You can find her on Twitter at Freya underscore Volva. You can find her on OnlyFans at OnlyFans.com slash Freya Her website's CompanionMassage.com, LovePowerCoach.com, coming soon, GoddessFreyaVolva.com, as well as SacredBodyWorker.com. I will have a link to all her social media, her websites, in the Libsyn page from this week, so make sure you hit that Libsyn page, give her a follow, show her some love. While you were there, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Full Service Pod. You can find me at Tank Funkadelic. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Hit us with a five-star rating. Write us a review. That would help us out so much. If you want to be on the podcast, if you want to hear anything talked about on the podcast, perhaps if you just want to write in and let us know how you're doing, send us an email at fullservicepod at gmail.com. I'll be in Panama City, uh, November 7th through the 14th. So if you're in the Panama City area, if you're a sex worker, if you're a client, you want to be on the podcast, hit me up. We can uh, make it happen. All it takes is a mic and a laptop. It's pretty easy. Uh, (laughs) I mentioned last week, we are starting a Patreon for the podcast. It will be launching mid-November. I'll have the exact date for you next Tuesday, but uh, you'll be able to hear exclusive content that you can only hear on Patreon, interviews that you will only be able to hear on Patreon. I'm super excited. It's a great way to support the show. We'll still be uh, here every single Tuesday with new episodes, but if you want to hear more content that is behind a paywall, fucking Patreon. Subscribe. It's great. thanks for being here this has been episode 60 we will be coming at you next tuesday i'm excited my guest is a charlotte-based dominatrix cam model phone sex operator domina delilah bliss we recorded i guess a couple weeks ago when i was up in charlotte so fun such a good interview so excited for y'all to hear it that'll be here next tuesday i'm gonna stop talking hey i hope you have a great week hope uh, your halloween was a good one i don't know (laughs) do we have halloween this year uh but i hope i hope the start of november for you has been amazing hey i'll see you on tuesday later full service